Well, dear listener, welcome. This is the Iron Fist and the Velvet Glove podcast. It's a podcast where we talk about news and politics and sex and religion. Normally there's a panel. There's normally at least more than just me. Actually, I've got Joe, the tech guy. He's there in the background, so Joe will help out if need be. Well, today was the big day. So we had our court case. Our application for religious instruction lessons uh, and... And so that was today. And look, if I seem a bit fuzzy and hazy, it's been a big day. <laughs> and I've been talking nonstop. So, you know, the court case started at 10 and finished around 2. We had media outside, lots of interviews with ABC Compass. Then we had lunch. Then I came back here. There was more. I've had the ABC Compass program here in the studio wanting to talk about it, doing an interview, and they literally left about five minutes ago and now I'm doing the podcast and telling all the same stories again. But dear listener, you've been with me on this journey, so you need to know what the story is and how it all went. So short answer is we don't know the decision as yet. So the judge has reserved his decision and basically that means he's taken all of the submissions and he will take a transcript of what happened and we'll go away and have a think about it, read about it, and then come back in a couple of weeks or whenever with a decision. So short answer is we don't know. The uh, long answer is, well, how did it go? What do you think? <laughs> it was tough. It was tougher than I thought. I have to say, I didn't, I did not, it wasn't what I expected. So I was hoping to have more legal argument where I could get some ideas out, but I'll run you through how it sort of panned out and you can get a feel for it. So if you're in the chat room, say hello. That'd be nice to know that there are some people there. And if you've got questions, throw them in there because um, I'm happy to deal with them. So really the case kicked off with basically Robin and his cross-examination. So I was off to a shaky start because I just wasn't aware of how documents get admitted or read into court. So... That was an uneasy start for sure. And so Robin was cross-examined and basically a lot of the concentration on Robin's affidavit was about what does Robin believe? When did he... He said all these comments about not believing in Satan and all the places he said it and all the rest of it, which really doesn't matter because this is acknowledged... So that was, you know, fine. But then it got on to comments about uh, Robin's opinion of the temple and what the temple actually stood for. And so really a lot of the arguments I felt were to do with the, the other side, the respondent, the government, basically trying to paint a picture that our community of members did not have a common faith and a common belief and nothing common about them that would make them a religious denomination. And so that was kind of the thrust of it. And, you know, dear listener, because of my inexperience or just lack of knowledge in terms of evidence and court procedure, I was certainly a babe in the woods in terms of trying to help Robin out in re-examination. I didn't do what a half-decent barrister could have done on his ear, probably. So that was disappointing, but it is what it is, and you can only work with what you've got. So after that, it, it then moved into arguments over essentially 
what we've got to remember with this case is there's essentially two parts to it. So we applied for religious instruction lessons and the government wrote a letter saying you can't come in and there's not enough of you. Some of you don't believe in Satan and Robin started it for political purposes. And so there's two parts. One is to have that letter overturned, rejected on the basis that there's just poor reasons and they need to go back and give us a better letter. The second part was just a declaration to say that we are a religious denominational society that's entitled to go into the tunnel, go into the schools. So the declaration is the key part. And so in my verbal submissions, at the end of the day, we lodged written submissions and I was quite happy with our written submissions. They sort of cover everything that I wanted to say and the... The, the verbal, you're just trying to, I guess, or what I was trying to do, don't know if you're supposed to be doing this, was really try and concentrate on things that had been raised and address those because the written argument's already there. Anyway, that was, you know, okay-ish. I certainly pulled up a lot. I couldn't get into a free flow and say things because I was told what I was trying to say was trying to introduce evidence or, or other things like that. So I was, I definitely have been through the grinder and got a hard time, let me, let me tell you. And so the second part after that was then the, the respondent, the, the government's sort of verbal argument. And, and, and really their concentration was on trying to show that we had not met the criteria of a religion. And my argument all along is we don't have to be a religion because this particular section says it's only necessary to be a, a society. You don't have to be a religion. And I've always maintained that all we need to be is a loose association of people with an interest in religion and that's enough to get us in to schools. So, so uh, really... They they had their verbal argument, and I then get a chance to reply to what they've said verbally. And that was probably, at that point, the only time where I actually managed to land a few punches and actually felt I was able to say some things where the judge kind of stopped and maybe, obviously, you know, he didn't nod and go, I get it, or whatever. But it was the first sort of... First sort of, it's a recognition that, okay, you've got something there. Okay, what you've just said, that's that's worth listening to. Up until then, I don't think he wanted to listen to anything I had to say. But he kind of started to pay attention right at the death. So I can only hang my hat on hoping that like some punch-drunk puncher in a boxing match, I've managed to drag myself off the canvas and somehow land a miracle punch right at the end. I don't know if that's the case. I wouldn't be putting money on it. I don't know what's going to happen. I really, you know, because of my lack of skill as a, in that sort of advocacy as a barrister, wasn't able to get in the evidence that I would like to have. But in any event, just to give you a sort of an example of how I, my really, oh, I don't know whether to get into the dry legal argument with you about, about it. Do you, are you in the chat room? Do you want the sort of bit of the legal ease involved in all this or not? Like, tell me, because I'm starting to get delirious. Like, I have literally been talking nonstop all day 
and haven't been sleeping well. So running on fumes here. But Joe, you're in the tech room, Joe. Are you wanting to hear some of do you want to hear my best punch? I'll tell you I'll tell you my best punch. Okay. So the the overwhelming argument or the overwhelming response is yes, please. Okay, all right. So that's good. So I had I had in my submissions basically said stop talking about the Scientology case and all of its requirements. We're not trying to prove we're a religion. We're just a religious society. So all those tests are irrelevant. Doesn't matter what Robin believes. Doesn't matter what the adherents or the members of the temple believe. A member of a society can be a corporate body who is incapable of having a belief. So so really, it's a mistake to keep talking about religious belief. And in fact, the Scientology case itself was a mistake about religion in this sense. The payroll commissioner objected and the particular section talked about a religious institution would be exempt from payroll tax. And so the key words were religious institution. And in the Scientology case, the, the barristers and lawyers for the relevant parties had made this side agreement that if Scientology is a religion, then they accept it is a religious institution. And the, the, the High Court in Scientology said, look, we're not really that happy with that argument that, that just because it's a religion, it's a religious institution. They're different things, but we've come this far and we really want to tell people what we think a religion is that we'll just do it anyway. So, so the Scientology case gets bogged down in, in the whole concept of what is a religion when the actual question should have been, what's a religious institution? And I got to make the point that what the counsel for the government was doing and what had been happening in the case all along was that they were arguing over matters that went to whether the temple was a religion, not whether it was a religious society. So I finally sort of managed to dodge enough rules of evidence that I could get that in. <laughs> and so that was good. I, that, that, I was able to say it. And then in my submissions, I had said, look, what does a religious society mean? And I had said, well, let's look at what religious means and let's look at what society means and let's put the two together. And... And what I had said was that a, something that is religious just has to be, let me just find it here, relating to or concerned with religion, imbued with or exhibiting religion. There's a definition of religious from the Macquarie Dictionary, which is commonly used in courtrooms. And in terms of society, I had said that society means an organisation of persons associated together for religious or other purposes, a body of persons associated by their calling or interests. So I said if you put the two of them together, you basically get a religious society as meaning a group of people with a common interest that relates to religion. So that was how I was describing. And I was saying, well, look, all these hurdles that you want the temple to jump through to be a church or a religion don't apply. All we have to do is say that we are a 
group of people with a common interest that relates to religion. And the opposing council said, well, there's rules of construction that mean you're not really allowed to take separate words, grab the meaning, join them back up again. You've got to look at words as they are together and derive a meaning from that rather than splitting them up and then joining them up again. So, But what I was able to then say was there was a case, the Theosophy Foundation case, which was one of the few cases that actually looked at what is a religious society. And I was able to draw the court's attention to where it says, a society in the relevant sense is a number of persons associated together by some common interest or purpose. A society as thus described, in which the common element pertains to or is concerned with religion, may aptly be described as a religious society. So I said, you mightn't have liked how I did it with the dictionary definition, but I essentially arrived at the same definition that they got to in the theosophy case and that sort of landed a blow that was good that's the first shot that got really in there somewhere and then there was problems of whether we had the evidence to demonstrate this but we had the application that said we wanted to go in and teach religion and we had three families who said they wanted to receive religion so right at the death there was a quite a few good points and and who knows what the decision will be. It's interesting because, well, I'll tell you one other thing that happened which was quite interesting and you'll you will find this funny. And I'm not allowed to find it funny, I don't think. But during the proceeding, the barrister for the government was talking to Robin and about when Robin was wearing his robes and standing outside of school trying to drum up business for the religious instruction lessons. You would have seen the photographs of it. And it won't be apparent on the transcript, but there was kind of a tone to it that was a little, just a little bit disparaging in terms of Robin in his black robes. I felt that. Maybe he didn't intend that. Maybe he didn't think that at all. And, and, and you know, I don't want to insult him in any way in suggesting that he was doing that when he wasn't, but it was... Something that it was possible to take a little bit of that meaning, a little bit of that vibe from it. So he said to Robin, and you were there, you know, in your black robes, and and Robin said, yes, much like the ones you're wearing right now. And at that point, the judge said, Mr Bristow, we will not have that sort of uh, behaviour in this courtroom, and, and reprimanded him for that comment. So that was an interesting moment in the proceedings. And were there any other highlights or other arguments? I, I, it was pretty rough. I don't, don't know. It's, I wouldn't be betting any money on us. <laughs> I really don't know. It was hard to read the judge from my point of view. He didn't seem particularly happy with us until, as I said, right at the end where there was a glimmer of light. So anyway, it's up to him and he'll make his decision and we'll have to accept it. And so... I don't know, week, two weeks, I don't know how long it normally takes. You'll be the first to know when we've got the answer. It was quite an adventure. It's been, uh, I'm glad that it's over and done with. I could not have mentally handled an adjournment or anything because I needed to get this case done and out of my hair so I can sleep at night and not wake up at two in the morning thinking arguments about religion and society over that. So so the, actually the, the barrister for the government, made an interesting allegation at one point. He 
he said to he, he said to Robin that Robin's purpose by conducting satanic instruction lessons was to he had a purpose of disrupting classrooms around yes he had and he was really doing it in a manner that was disapproving that that Robin was by his actions seeking to disrupt classrooms and and their conduct by having satanic lessons that would then disrupt the rest of the class and you know it's it's so ironic if that's the word but what we're actually trying to do is prevent that happening in thousands of instances that is already happening in the state every week to be accused of of disrupting classes when in fact what robin is trying to do is reduce exactly that disruption but in thousands of cases so he's willing to cause two or three instances of it in the event that it might actually stop it happening thousands of times and so that was an interesting admission by the government's barrister that the religious instruction classes are actually disruptive to the rest of the class so that can come out no doubt in in different venues at a, at a later time that even the government thinks religious instruction is disruptive so so that was one of the few highlights in a pretty dark day at times it really was rough it was quite grueling i oh, at this stage sometimes you might see in the chat room tom the warehouse guy and tom is a young lawyer who's currently completing or he's done his degree and there's some sort of professional graduate year that you study that you do before you can actually fully practice and tom the warehouse guy sat by my side at the bar table and he was of great help and comfort so he was helping me and he was also this you end up getting inundated with so many papers thrown at you and all the rest of it so really appreciate what you had there uh, in helping me Tom and that was good and and I said to Tom well he hopes to become a criminal law barrister and I said great because we really need a local barrister in the secular movement who's, who's on hand and you know, next time we run a case I'll sit at the back and Tom can run it so that's my aim at the moment we've got to keep Tom the warehouse guy happy okay if you ever see him in the chat room because he, he could be a great asset for us down the track. So that was that. Queensland Parents for Secular State Schools was down the back taking notes. Alison was there. What else were the highlights, Alison, that you can think of from there? Plenty of low lights, but if you could concentrate on a highlight, that would be good. Who knows? At the end of the day, you never know. I have been in, involved in other cases, particularly with my wife's family, where it seemed really bad at first, but actually in the cold light of day, it wasn't so bad. So... We will, we will see. Fingers crossed. Hello in the chat room to everybody. Julia's commenting lots. Alison's there. Matthew, thank you. You're welcome to provide some questions because I can deal with those. Right. What else can I talk about that happened? Oh, well, other things that happened. So the ABC News crew was out the front afterwards. So, and... I've had some messages from some people saying that we appeared on the ABC News tonight. So check out the ABC Catch-Up iView if you want to see us on that. 
Hopefully we came across okay. Has anyone seen it? Can you tell me if it seemed okay? Basically did extended interview with them, with the Compass program, have been following us for quite a while, our journey. I mean, the word journey gets overused a little bit, but they've been with us for over a year now. So they did another extended interview there and then they came to my house and interviewed me here. So, so yeah, so that was that. Where do we go to from here? What's going to happen down the track? Let me take a sip of beer. So let's assume we lose, then what happens? Well, what happens if we lose? The government, I think, knows it has a problem with that section. We flagged in our interviews, hopefully the ABC showed it, I'm not sure, but we've tried to flag in the interviews that if we do lose, we will come back again in a couple of years' time. So whatever it is, you know, our members weren't faithful enough, we didn't have evidence of some commitment or ritual or enough of them or whatever shortcomings we might have had, we can address over the next couple of years. And that's one of the things we're going to do is at some stage tomorrow is I'm just going to sit down and write a list of everything I would have liked to have been able to hand up as evidence. And we'll just get that evidence over the next couple of years. So we're sort of letting the government know that that's what we're going to do if we lose. So you you may as well um, not relax if you happen to win. The other things that came out of it were that there were real problems with the section in the way that authority was delegated to the principals and the way that the policy statement and the regulations had been, I don't know, fashioned out of this act. And I didn't understand fully the argument. Alison, you might, and if you do, you're welcome to chime in here, I can give you a link and you can join me if you're interested, if you're able to, Alison. I don't know, but there certainly seemed to be technical difficulties with the section. There were things about it that people found quite unusual. And this whole idea that you just, as of right, can enter a school without really an application as such doesn't require a dis- it's It's sort of obscure in the way of requiring a decision. It's not the way that these sections are commonly done. So it seems like there's some legally technical problems with the section that would motivate a well-meaning legislature to fix it up anyway. So there is that issue there that is ticking away. So our continued presence, the problem with the section and its and its problems with its delegation of authority, the fact that these might be challenged again by somebody else. So these are things that uh, might cause them to actually do something we'll see so government Alison made the point that the the government did not object to satanism it just said about the noosa temple of satan as a religious denomination or society so so it doesn't mean there can be no satanic ri it's just finding a group who meets the section in order to deliver it so, so yeah, and Alison, who was in the back watching, she says that she'd like to see a transcript to look at the issues of delegation. And, and certainly, Alison, we need to, or, well, we're going to, or, and I know you have in the past, look at, the section says, the whole point is, let's 
we're going to allow ministers of religion or societies to come in and teach religion to members of their denomination. It's quite specific in that. Yet, in the regulations and in the policy statement, they've created this system of multi-faith delivery where one minister or accredited representative can teach to multiple kids of different faiths because it's easier for them. So that that's that, that's just really it should be not possible under the section. So yeah, a whole bunch of problems with that section beyond just the fact that Satanists can use it. So that's if we lose, there'll be a motivation to fix it anyway. Maybe not a, super quick, but on the agenda. If we win, what will the government do? You're all wondering, aren't you? And we know that the government has considered several several scenarios. So in our right to information documents that we gathered from the government, it actually said three different scenarios. There are actually four. I've got to, I can't remember the fourth. Uh, what to do in the event that the temp, uh, the the Noosa Temple of Satan actually wins? And one of the scenarios was just tell principals not to let them in anyway. Seriously, that was one of the scenarios. And then beneath that, it was the problems with that are it's illegal and other things like that. So that was one of the possible scenarios that they were they were war gaming. Another one was change the act to exclude just a small number of specific pariah religions. So, yeah, so like write the act and say all religions can come in except for Satanists and Wiccans and a couple of others perhaps. But, yeah, a, a sort of a specific exclusion of unsavoury religions was one of the other options. So, so yeah, that's, that's, you know, and one of the options, of course, was we'll just let them in, but I can't remember what the fourth one was. But anyway... Quite extraordinary, really, that you would consider one of your options is just tell principals not to let them in anyway. <laughs> oh, dear. In the chat room, Alison says that Queensland parents for secular state schools have legal advice from a QC that there is a big problem with how students are allocated to religious instruction under these agreements. So there we go. It just doesn't make sense when you've gone to the effort of saying kids can't be taught by other denominations. Because, look, let's go back in history. It was all about... Catholics not wanting Protestant teachers to be teaching to Catholics and, and vice versa. There was this intense rivalry between Protestants and, and Catholics in our early days as a colony. And so they're very keen to make sure that there would be no cross-contamination. And the Angie section's really quite plain about that. And at the end of the day, they've got this regulation and this policy that says they allow multi-faith agreements because it was easy for the providers to lump a whole bunch of kids together, teach 10 kids, not just two, I would think. Right, so so that was what would happen there. And Joe, can you think of any questions or things that you're interested in that I haven't covered because I'm... Starting to run. Are we likely to find a helpful barrister, a friendly barrister, given that we've made an attempt now? Look, we were offered help by barristers. So 
this is a good point to raise, Joe, because as I said, there were two parts to this application. One was the the rejection of the letter, basically saying things like they had no evidence about belief in Satan. They had no evidence of our numbers of our membership. They the the political origins of the group are irrelevant. So these are all, as a matter of administrative law, invalid reasons to make a decision. So what normally happens is you, in that situation, if you're successful, if the court says, yes, the decision was flawed in its reasoning, the decision goes back to the department and they're told to make this make the decision again. So they obviously can't make the same mistakes, but they might make some other ones. But all the court does is basically send it back to the original decision maker and say, well, that didn't work, try again. The other part of the application was a declaration that the Noosa Temple of Satan is a religious denomination or society. And and for me, the key to that was this whole religious society argument as our best shot. And spent a lot of time on that. So we did get some help from some barristers, and I'm really grateful for it. But they concentrated on the the, the letter and and rejecting the letter. And I felt they didn't concentrate enough on the declaration. And if I had just relied on their submissions, I feel there wasn't nearly enough commentary about the declaration. Now, they disagreed with me and said they thought they had. And and what it came down to, though, was in terms of availability, they, the particular barrister, could not do it today. He's, for a start, down south, and they're in lockdown, and but he's also busy. So it would have required getting an adjournment and then doing stuff by remote distance Zoom phone call, basically. And... I just, so, now I consulted with people about this. I consulted with barrister and legal friends about this conundrum, about do I... It was more about if we were to go back to court, Mm. you said you felt that you, under pressure and with Mm. the rules of evidence, not particularly able... Absolutely. So, so having someone on side, not necessarily to put the case together, but to be there to argue... Absolutely. Uh, on the spot. Absolutely, definitely. Somebody, yes, in two years' time when we go back, absolutely going to have a barrister there, not me, for sure. But in the current circumstances, the, the ideal barrister for me would have been local, who was able to do it today and not adjourn it, and who really liked the society declaration arguments because... That's the important part to me. And I, I, the barrister suggested I get an adjournment so that they could be involved. It was going to be really late in proceedings to ask for an adjournment. I'd received advice from other barristers to say, if you ask for an adjournment now, that's going to be a really bad look and you may not even get it. This is a really late request. So, so yeah, it, it, while I appreciate their advice on the judicial review questions, I just wasn't in sync with them on the declaration. And I know they feel a different opinion and they're a bit affronted 
well, not affronted. I don't know. It's just disagreed that, they, that I'd sort of said no. I'm I'm going to do it myself if I have to to get this thing done. Yeah, the ideal thing would have been a barrister who had a love for the declaration and my society argument. That would have been really, really handy. So these are all things that we can work on. And next time we have a crack at something, you can't be perfect, can you? (laughs) And, you know, I actually consulted people, several people, to say, look, I don't want to be egotistical about this. I don't. Because I recognise that this is done on behalf of the secular community. This is the battle we've all been fighting, and I'm just the latest uh, warrior in a long line of people who've had a crack at this. So I recognise it's just not me, and I didn't... I specifically asked them, am I being egotistical or whatever? What do you think? Should I do this myself on the day and just go for it? And they all said yes. So, And that's what I felt comfortable with. And you know what? Mentally... I don't think I'm up for, I would have been up for an adjournment. Like, I'm, my mind is frazzled now. I've been at this for too long. And if I had to have gone for an adjournment and put it off for another month or two or three or whatever, not good. So, yeah, a whole host of reasons that interplay into things. And that's where we've ended up, where we've ended up. So, yeah. So, yeah. And also in terms of media interest. Obviously, the RTI has revealed some interest discussions internally. Yeah. Did that go up on Facebook today or something? Or I don't know. Is that what I didn't even, I haven't even seen um, the Temple's Facebook so, page today. So I should see. No. Today. So there was a post about the hypocrisy of the ACL. Yes. Allegedly asking for religious freedom and then writing to the minister yep. demanding that certain religions not be allowed. Yep. Okay. And, and I took a screenshot from the RTI, which is available on the department's website. Yes. So it's it's public information and has been redacted because it's public information. And Facebook took that down. What? It had been reported to them as spam. Both the link and the screenshot of the ACL letter had been taken down. When, I think it was maliciously when... reported. I posted as a reply to the post on the Facebook page. On whose Facebook on page? On the News of Temple Estate. On the News of Temple Estate, yep. So okay. I got a Facebook strike. You're kidding. Be- because I posted a link to the RTI document. That is a public and document. Because it's a public document, but somebody maliciously reported it, I believe. Wow. I think there are certain groups who don't want their hypocrisy shown. Wow. Is that right? Yes. Have you, and did you put that link in the messages, did you, in the chat room? I, I did, yeah, in yeah, the chat room yeah. earlier. So have a look for – put it up again, Joe, for people who sort of might have scrolled past the screen or whatever. Put it up again as a link to the – yeah, so, wow. Otherwise, if you just Google Queensland Education, mm-hmm. RTI, you'll find the very first hit is the disclosure logs. You go into 2021, just search for Satan. And it's on that page. Well, anyway, you can see the link there. Wow. I'll I'll turn it into a QR code and we'll have it up on the next podcast. Okay. All right. Wow. There we go. So so that's a link to a document we retrieved under right to information. It's a public document. And you put a simple link to that without any commentary? Was there a comment or I, I, post, I posted No, no, I posted the screenshot that was referred to in the Temple post. 
So it was, here's a letter from the ACL. It shows what hypocrites they are. So I took a screenshot of that, posted the photograph, and then put a link to the document and said it's publicly available. Wow. And goddamn Facebook, just, just here's a message and then just, I clearly didn't look at it. If, if enough people report it, bots will take it down. So a Christian. <laughs> Is that right? So I've appealed it, but oh. they're saying we're, we're flooded at the moment with all the COVID fake news. There's very little chance we'll actually get to look at your appeal. Wow. Wow. Okay. I'm just trying to see if I can get, I'm just trying to get copy the link myself. Can you? Email, oh, you want to share on the screen. Can you share your screen or can we put it up on the screen? So what, the ACL letter? No, no, the right to information document. Oh, the is document. It, is the flow chart sort of one? Is it that one? It, it is, yes. I'm hitting security permissions on the Mac at the moment. Oh, it doesn't matter. Okay. Well, that's interesting, isn't it? So a publicly available, available document and enough presumably Christians complain about it. It's a QED.com. Queensland, qed.qld.gov.au. Like, it's a government goddamn website. <laughs> ah. All right, the website, qed.qld.gov.au slash about us slash RTI slash disclosure logs slash 211957.pdf. That will get you there. Have a look. Wow. Ah, oh, Joe, that's amazing. <sighs> Facebook, I just, so enough bots, enough people object, the bots take it down. And, and it's not back up. Is that, yeah, you're still in, are you in a purgatory still? What? No, because it's a strike. Right. Uh, I've been told effectively that the post is not visible to anybody. Wow. Wow. You rascal, Joe. <laughs> you subversive, rebellious. There's a role in Satanism for you. <laughs> oh, wow. I'm flabbergasted by that. Oh, well, that's good. Shows that they're worried. Shows they... Shows we are a thorn in their side, much like Satan placed a thorn in the side of Paul. Keep him in line. Actually, I read a really... Do I want to get into the same? What other things have I? can I tell you about the case? Oh, there's a QR code right up there on the screen. Is that on our screen? On yeah. the, is that... Oh, yeah, you've put that, up... That should be... Good. Yeah, yeah, that Good. should be shared on the live stream. There you are. Everyone knows how to use a QR code now. So now that's up there. You can go with that way. That's easy. What else do people want to know about is what happened? Zachary, are you going to do... Let me just get rid of that you're going to do another foi request to see any further discussion about nts by the government possible dirt mm, not just at the moment i don't think julia in response to what you said joe she says that sounds like a rallying call for everyone to post it in as many places as they can hear that everybody i agree with that one jay wavy i think is some sort of crazy person who we've blocked by now is that right i don't know so uh, sure he's gone, gone quiet oh, so okay and let's see what else is in there yeah. there's a message from tom 
Right. Oh, Tom's there. Done. Okay, yep. Tom's message. Let me get to it. Oh, well done on a tough day in court. I've sent you an email with my thoughts on today in detail. Yes, I did actually talk about the Theosophy case and the Scientology case earlier, Tom. So considering that was the only one of the few blows I landed, Tom, I did actually tell him about that one as, as a highlight. <laughs> so good to see that you agree on that. That's funny. So, yeah, Tom the Warehouse Guy. Full marks. Let me see what else can we talk about while we're on this topic. I've actually been reading a lot about Satan lately. Let me find, let me grab these notes. Hang on a sec. really good book about Satan in the Bible and it's quite fascinating how the Satan in the Bible is so much on the side of God and is not an antichrist at all and the way this guy describes the Satan in the Bible is fascinating so interrupt me with any other thoughts that you might have what else we got in there so craig the answer is we haven't got a decision yet we're waiting but it was a tough day and some blows landed at the end that were favorable but yeah i don't know that i it wouldn't didn't go as well as i hoped let me put it that way so there's a really good book that i came across satan in the bible god's minister of justice by henry Ansgar kelly and this guy has gone through the Bible and in its original Hebrew and then the translations to Greek. And basically, here's his premise, is that there is no difference between the presentations of Satan in the Old and New Testaments. He appears as an adversary to humans, but not to God. Rather, he functions on behalf of God in various areas of law enforcement, including investigation, intervention, accusation, prosecution and punishment. According to this author, Satan, as I see him, is working for the celestial government and perhaps the closest analogue to his position in the American system is the post of Attorney General. His ultimate goal is on the side of angels, to weed out all unworthy persons from God's favour. He is deeply suspicious of mortals and resorts to tricks to smoke out their true characters. The scriptural Satan that you can see in the Bible wants to keep bad people out the Satan that we all are familiar with wants to make good people bad. And essentially how it works is that the word Satan in Hebrew is a common noun meaning adversary or opponent. So in the book in Hebrew, there's often references to an adversary stopped this person or an adversary did this or an adversary or opponent did that. And when it was translated, it became the adversary. So the one person was deemed to be this opponent who on other readings is just multiple different people who takes an opponent view. So the so a Satan became the Satan. And still though, when you read it, the role of Satan 
We've already mentioned the book of Job before, but at numerous times, his, his role is to test people's faith. And so he, he tested Job. He tested the apostles. He tested Jesus when Jesus was uh, doing his 40 days fast and he offered in them kingdom because Satan was so suspicious that he didn't even trust Jesus. There you go. He was just trying to keep the unworthy out. And there are a whole range of instances where his role was to tempt people and people were really worried about the a Satan tempting them. And in fact, it all makes sense when you hear the Our Father, the prayer, and if you read it in the original, it's basically the conclusion is, and do not draw us into testing, but deliver us from harm. So what people are really doing is they're praying to God saying, Stop sending this guy and testing us. It's really hard. Please don't test us anymore. It's, that prayer makes sense to me now. So, so that's a fascinating book. More about that later. Where are we in terms of the chat room? Is there anything there I need to know? In the chat room, Craig says, Satan is portrayed, as an, is portrayed in an interesting way in the TV series Lucifer as a punisher of the guilty, forced to by God. He specifically doesn't hurt innocence or lie. There we go. I have to watch that. And yeah, it seems that Satan is particularly keen on those who seem overtly righteous. So Job was overtly righteous and, and Jesus was suspiciously righteous. So he really raised Satan's suspicion levels. Fascinating stuff. Ah, I don't know. I think I'm nearly... No, nothing to see here, Trevor. These... These aren't the messages you don't know what that means. It's a it's a joke from Star Wars. Is it? No, nothing. These are not the droids you're looking for. Uh, uh, right, oh, these are not the droids you're looking for. Right, okay. Wave over my head on this late day. So Lucifer TV series is worth watching. Yeah, there we it's, go. It's a little simplistic, but it's fun. Mm, okay, there we go. Thanks. It Joe. just shows shows Lucifer as a poor, misunderstood person, mm -hmm. misrepresented by the Bible. It's, it's exactly the case. And this is actually, I'm actually starting to get quite keen on giving a satanic religious instruction lesson. I think it's such a great platform for describing a lot of things. So just to kick off with the book of Job is, is interesting in terms of who is the good guy or the bad guy in this God who instructs Who's the Satan. In it? Yes, who is the most assholery in this God with ultimate authority, or his henchman Satan, who's actually trying to do the right thing, or God who's so weak that he doesn't actually stand up to Satan and say, "Hey, that's too much. Let's not go that far." And then, really, you could then look at it in terms of, well, what is good and evil, and is it independent of God? Does it exist? It's the whole Euthyphro dilemma you could throw in there. And then just the whole, you know, by the time you've explained Satan's role as, as God's henchman and enforcer and prosecutor and questioner and opposer, his tough guy, his, his hired gun, it's entirely possible that somebody could be polytheistic and be both Christian and satanic, like entirely possible. And, and really what we've got is the Bible is quite consistent on this and it's only in Revelation where it all goes to shit and like what doesn't go to shit in Revelation. So, But until then, 
It's all good for Satan. Good drugs. Yeah, there's something taken there. So, so what people have done is they've looked at you know Revelation, for example, had this serpent, reptilian, dragon type beast in there, and which was declared as uh, Satan. And then people looked at the Garden of Eden and saw the snake and went, "Well, that's just the same thing, isn't it? Must have been Satan as well." There's nothing in the biblical story of the Garden of Eden to suggest that it's anything other than just a snake. And a talking snake, mind. Yeah, but <laughs> but no, no. There's, there's nothing there that you could read in isolation and go, "Oh, aha, it is. It is obviously a reference to Satan." It's not at all. It's just that really long connection has been made between this reptilian dragon serpent creature in in uh, Revelation, and they've gone, oh, well, it's just obviously, you know, the snake in the Genesis story. Outrageous. So what you've really then got is just a series of of clerics in later years who have done the dirty on Satan and and read things that weren't there and, and created a picture. So it's just an interesting... See, in explaining this in a satanic religious education, a religious education class, you could really get into some interesting topics where you would say, well, this is akin to the need to look at the source documents. And so the... Fake news. Yeah. And COVID and all that we're seeing with reports about you know, medical tests that suggest all sorts of things, and if you read a newspaper report about what a medical report says, you're playing with fire quite often. And if you go to the original source document and read it for yourself, then you get the picture. And it's a really good lesson in life, just in the treatment of Satan in the Bible. It's a part of a satanic instruction course. I'd love to be able to explain that. Yeah, so there's lots of interesting life lessons can all be weaved in and around the whole satanic story, far more interesting than anything they'd be getting in their current religious instruction classes, I can assure you. But Leave alas, or burn forever. Yeah, but alas, you know, in this whole process, I never got to tell anybody and nobody ever asked, what exactly are you going to teach in this class, Mr. Bell? doesn't matter. It's not yeah. relevant. Exactly. Nobody asked. Nobody was interested. Yeah. Nope, and the department have got no control over it. Yes. And that's the important point. Yes. They, they in fact, I think just provide you're not doing anything illegal, like recommending people consume illegal drugs or something. Yeah, no, you're not allowed to go against education department guidelines. Mm. So I believe you can't disparage certain groups. Mm. Yeah. But aside from that... Mm. So, so we're going to take a breath for a while and... And, you know, might be shocked and might have a win. I was kind of happy to have my Section 49 order, by the way, because at one point there I thought the judge was going to say, I really don't like you guys and you seem like a sham to me and I'm going to order costs against you. But that was never on the table. So, so it's enormous relief right at this moment, actually, to know that there's a Section 49 order that means that I'm not going to be worried about a costs order. So that's... Was, was that a different judge? That gave yeah. you the Section 49? Yeah, but that was all done on the papers. That was just papers were lodged. I never even saw the judge. And that was a case where the Crown actually consented. They didn't fight it. They said, yeah, let him have his Section 49 
order, we don't, that's fine. So, so that was a different judge, but it also had no argument at all in it. So it was just done by consent. So, so, okay, let's see that. So, so it was comforting to have that section 49 cost order. Don't have to worry about an adverse cost order. Oh, anything else people want to know? Craig says, uh, in the battle between God and Satan, history was written by the winner. Uh, no change. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. And Jack says, may have missed this, but what will be taught during the class? I just wonder if it will feed in to and validate Christian teachings. They will likely see justification, validation of their views. Well, at this stage, Jack, there won't be any class. We have yet to win and decision reserved, not sure. A lot of it didn't go well, so not confident, but kind of land a few punches at the end. So Dire Straits asks, how am I? And the answer is I'm frazzled and exhausted and I have been talking non-stop to people all day. And yeah, so I've already said I'm happy to Look, the Compass program is actually going to do a very good thing on us when it eventually happens next year. They interviewed me when I was in Sydney. In the days when you could go to Sydney, remember that, Joe? You used to be able to go to places like Sydney. I've, I've heard tell of this things. Right. I think it's just ancient legend. Yeah. So that was back in February, I think it was. So it was but before. lockdowns don't work. Yes, but so it was before we actually had the adverse decision. Uh, at that point, we had applied, but they hadn't responded to us. So that was way back then that we first spoke with Compass, and they've done different interviews, and they've built up quite a file of video, and they're kind of on board and understand fully what we're doing. So when the Compass program eventually comes out, then I think that will be an interesting full expose of what we've been up to. Yeah. It's not going to be the same as the Moonlight State, the expose of the Bielke Peterson corruption. Hopefully not. <laughs> We're the good guys. Oh, I meant, I, I meant more about the um, Department of Education. Oh right, no, it's more about us. So yeah, it's it's about us, I think, and our journey. It depends what happens as that journey unfolds as to whether we are part of a larger story about religious freedom and discrimination next year when the when the religious discrimination bill comes up. So we might be just a small part of a program or there might be something a bit longer. I've certainly given them enough material, they can do something. You mean the religious freedom doesn't just mean religious freedom for a particular group, it means religious freedom for everybody? Yes, that's right. Yes. Yeah, that's the one. So, yeah. Well, there we go. Any other thoughts, Alison, on it that you can think of? I can't really think of much else to add i think i should probably sign off and be with you guys the normal panel next week any favorite topics come up from the last week joe that you're keen to explore not off the top of my head okay. i'm sure there will be i saw i saw this thing which was a mashup of of statements by gladys berejikli and and scott morrison you know all of her original statements where she said oh we get by without lockdowns because we know what we're doing and and then as it all progressed and turned to, turned into the mess that it is now. So so the the Juice Media podcast about COVID, the last one, was really interesting. Right. They were interviewing a doctor who was part of the BMJ panel, British Medical Journal. Right. And I think has done quite a lot in remote parts in infectious diseases. Mm-hmm. 
and was talking about hotel quarantine and how hotels with a shared air conditioning system is probably the worst place <laughs> that you can put people who have COVID. Yep. Or sorry, who potentially have COVID. Yes. And then there was a really interesting BBC World Service 45-minute podcast, which was with three epidemiologists doing a where did we screw up? Yeah, you know, what did we get right and where did we screw up and okay. where did these outbreaks come from? Yep. So possibly worth covering off and, and linking to. Okay. Sounds sounds like a plan. So all right. Alison in the chat room says, My brain is mush and I was just sitting in the public gallery. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit like that. All right. I, I'm rambling now. I'm I'm just rambling. I better I better sign off and yeah, we'll be back next week to talk about news and politics and sex and religion and we will talk to you then. Bye for now. Not all.